Prize picks is the easiest and most exciting way to get in on the action. Whether you watch your favorite sports and players, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Your dream setup, amazing prices, and free shipping await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast. Bringing the treacle. Bringing the treacle. Rog, it's an international break. It is, and I've survived Ugh. the loneliness of an international break weekend, David, Ugh, but only Rog, just. I know. I did very odd things this week. I thought a lot about my own death. Yeah. One of your favourite things to do, Rog. When there's no football. <laughs> you love a good think about your own death. I thought a lot about Orson Welles' words this weekend. We're yeah. born alone, we live alone, we die alone. Yeah. Only through our love and friendship can we create the illusion for the moment that we're not alone. Oh, it's just an illusion. And by love and friendship, I think yeah. he meant love of football yeah. and friendship with the two wobbies. Yeah, podding. Who I miss terribly, and podding. Podding. Do you feel, during an international break, life has a strange kind of weightlessness? It's like existing in a kind of zero-gravity atmosphere. I floated around my house like bullock in gravity. It's like forgetting about football for a moment is a little bit like when you're asleep and you're dreaming and you forget, you, you, you suspend disbelief and you believe in like sort of really crazy, crazy things and you don't believe, <sighs> like you could actually go to a meeting and no one is wearing any trousers yeah. and it doesn't feel weird. Crazy things, crazy thoughts, yeah. like early morning generosity that filled my weekend and I, I would guess uh-huh. nine out of ten of our listeners did amazing things at the weekend. We've got a lot of great tweets. At FCDC1052 tweeted, offered my missus breakfast out. Whoa. Trying to be helpful. My son shouted, he's only saying that, mum, because there's no Premier League this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) At Dan Arestia tweeted us, you have no idea. Took her out to breakfast this morning. I think by her, he means his beloved partner. Mm -hmm. I was still wearing full Arsenal kit, though. (laughs) David, I realise this weekend I have kids. Mm-hmm. I have a neighbourhood I can save. Wow. I have light bulbs I have to change. Yeah, I changed some light bulbs. You did? I did. <laughs> did some of the complicated ones. Oh, <sighs> ones that involved ladders. Oh, I hate those. Yeah. Let me empty the dishwasher, love. Yeah. Wow. Saying. Did you? Let me make some gourmet scrambled uh-huh. eggs. Do you only empty the dishwasher? Do you have loading the dishwasher privileges or only emptying the oh, dishwasher? It's so privilege? interesting. Can you ever load the dishwasher to the level that Mrs. B expects you to load the it's dishwasher? It's a great question. Yeah. And she listens to this podcast, so you I put me in a slight... I'll be getting notes. But I've got to be honest. Yeah. I do load the dishwasher. Yeah. But I always... Have you ever done it correctly? I always make sure I do it on purpose half-assedly. <laughs> I always I do. So I load, the, I load the dishwasher suboptimally on purpose. One of the, the most important pieces of workplace advice I ever yeah. received was on my first day in the American workplace. Mm-hmm. And a batty old woman... 
uh, walked up to me and just muttered, it's the best piece of advice in life in general. She came up to me and said, kid, never let anyone know you know how to fix the office printer. <laughs> or you'll perpetually be fixing the office printer for everyone. That's actually a great piece of advice. It's a creed for life. What else did you get up to this weekend, Rog? I found myself doing a lot of strange things to pass yep. the time. I fell in love with the FIFA Ultimate Team feature on FIFA Whoa. 15. I constructed, it took me a whole afternoon, Saturday afternoon, I've done enough Explain it to me, because I don't completely understand that feature. You, you I'm just too busy playing the Scottish Premier League <laughs> to get into that. You can construct any starting eleven you want, that you can afford, that you can kind of construct together. So I can put players from anywhere into that team. And I did so by constructing my Ginger National eleven. Oh, that's If clever. Gingers were in an autonomous region like Catalonia, yeah. mm-hmm. fighting to be a unified team. Can I tell you something? The Scottish Premier League is a little bit like that. Anyway, <laughs> carry on. I, I, I like spent half an hour agonising whether I should put Gerhard Tremel yeah. of Swansea City in goal or Ryan Mira, uh-huh. New York City FC, your beloved. Yeah. James Collins, Wes Brown, Paul McShane, Jeremy Mathieu yeah. of Barca playing across the back. De Bruyne. De Bruyne. The pig-nosed ginge. Yeah. Marwan Fellaini, yeah. the wannabe ginge. That is a red tinge that he's been dropping. A little into bit of a red tinge. You're right, Rod. Dax McCarthy. No one would look in his eyes and say yeah. a little bit of a red tinge and get away with it. Yeah. And then, of course, captain. My captain, Hull City, Stephen Quinn. Stephen Quinn. And then up front, Balotelli, artificial yeah. ginger. Yeah. They all count. Mm-hmm. Fernando Torres. Yeah, he's a little bit gingy. Touch of the ging. By the way, when we were talking about EA Sports, it's our final call for a contest in which you can both help eradicate the world of anti-gingyism, something we Stop feel it. passionate Stop about. Beating up and you can win a special custom-made Xbox. Since Apple overlooked gingers in its latest emoji package, Cook, we're asking you. you to help create one. An example by producer Lexi is on our Instagram feed. Send us your emojis via Raven. Or so- How do you send an emoji via Raven? That would be an interesting... An interesting exercise. I think ravens are actually very aggressive towards gingy. They're emoji carriers. Uh, I, well, not our ravens, Rog. Not our ravens. Uh, or social media with the hashtag, hashtag, we stand with gingers. Our favourite gets a special Robbie Keane Xbox, courtesy of the GFOPs at EA Sports. We'll announce the winner in our newsletter later this week. I did something else crazy, Dave. I watched uh-huh. a lot of March Madness. Wow, you did. I watched a little bit of it. Yeah, every ball, every bounce, every swish of the net reminded me of the loss of Wofford. And their cruel terrier fate. Uh-huh. By the way, if college basketball... That Kentucky-Notre Dame game was fantastic, Rob. <sighs> Here's what I don't understand, though, David. Yeah. If it was a real sport, mm-hmm. college basketball, yeah. if it had true self-respect, yeah. the teams eliminated in the first two rounds of March Madness, yeah. wouldn't they suddenly just appear randomly in the, in the NIT? Europa, in the Europa League. In the NIT. Uh, yeah. Oh, in the Europa League. That, that would be, be even, even more amazing. Yeah. They might win the Europa League, though. That would be odd. <sighs> Talking about basketball, you know what made me really uh-huh. happy this was the, probably the only moment of real happiness I had in this barren, dry weekend. Yeah. Tracking Lionel Messi's visit to America. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing him in DC. Yeah. Laying the groundwork for his inevitable move to the Chicago Fire. Oh, really? Is that where he's going? It's what spread the rumor. Okay. And he spent it to mostly meeting American sporting royalty and then beaming impishly by them. Yeah. Beautiful photo of him by RG3. Yeah. Amazing photo of him by Ovechkin. Yeah. And most delightfully of all, David, mm-hmm. seeing him stand, possibly the greatest moment in tall v small history. Oh, we love that. George Maurison. Oh, so good. And Lionel Messi sound side by side. When I first saw the photo, I thought uh-huh. it was a Photoshop. Someone was baiting me that my, my long dreamt of casting for uh-huh. My Giant 2, which I talk about all the time. Yeah. Whose idea was to have Messi's photo taken 
with Murasan. I feel like it's a better idea for, for coming from Murasan's camp. It's better for Murasan <laughs> than it really is for Messi. I don't know what Messi's gaining from that photograph. Are you serious? Yeah. Murasan. Yeah. When you say tools, yeah. NBA, yeah. you think of two men. Everyone uh-huh. in America right now is saying Murasan and yeah. Luke Longley. Yeah. The top two tools of all time, I bet. Yeah. I used to watch the Wizards. Yaming, not in that. Back when they Sean Bradley. None of them. Hakeem, crap. All of them. Yeah. Everyone in America is nodding. Luke Longley, underrated. Unbel- I think we need to get Luke Longley on this pod, JW. <laughs> Make me very, he's such a happy man. He's like the Steve Bruce of the NBA. Yeah. Um, I look a little bit like Luke Longley. I look a bit like George Maurice. <laughs> a shorter, shorter, in the same way as Nacho Monreal looks like a shorter Peter Crouch. I used to watch the, the, the Bullets when yeah. I first moved here when they played out in Landover, Maryland, in the middle of nowhere, and they were Joanne, Harvey Grant, Rod mm-hmm. Strickland. I used to love to watch him. He used to eat two hot dogs mm-hmm. before playing, before tip-off, and then he'd vomit them up routinely, ritually. He'd vomit up the two hot dogs and then run onto the court, which was always... I, I didn't quite understand that ritual. But George Maurice, and they had this song, You're the Man, You're the Man, the most unlikely-looking athlete of all time. They had this pump-up video. They'd play Joanne Howard. He'd say, You're the man, you're the man. Chris Webber, he'd be like, You're the man, you're the man. Uh-huh. But then they had George Maurice in an inspired piece of video sports production. Uh-huh. They had him lie on the floor, cheesy style, with his chin on his elbow. Uh-huh. And the camera panned the full length of his body. It seemed to take about two minutes to move from his toes to his head. It was as long as the Gobi Desert. <laughs> I fell in love with him, David. Oh. You're the man, you're the man. We had a great question from at DC Cantor. Mm-hmm. Wanted to know, listen to last week's pod about your 1,012 place in the English commentator ranks. Mm-hmm. I wondered, who's a... 1,012th American on English television. And you mentioned of hunting TV shows following yours. What would hunting shows in England look like? Are they full of balding tweed, wearing Guinness, drinking blokes, wandering around the Yorkshire Dales with World War II-era rifles? Courage, Dan. There are random Americans who are famous in England. They're probably not known in America. There's that comedian Reginald Hunter. He's quite well known. Ruby Wax. We have room for one American every generation. Ruby Wax, when we were growing up, was massive. Elaine Stritch. Remember, she was famous. Stritchy. David Schwimmer is still hot, 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 hot. Yeah. But only in like Burnley and uh, and Sunderland, I think they still think he's a famous. Yeah, there's another American TV presenter over there. I can't remember his name. Kelly Monteith. But I think he's Canadian was big when we were young. You trade him for us. Yeah. There's like some international brokerage firm that trades them for a pl- and what would an English hunting show look like there is one it's called Antiques Roadshow <laughs> yeah sort of it's well there's a popular. show on there's a show on I don't think it's still on but it was certainly on when we were kids called One Man and His Dog Rod, <sighs> which was it's not really hunting it's sheep herding it was a sheep trials sheep herding show with border collies I suppose yep. Um, and sheep, sheep and a pen dogs. and sheep and a pen and sort of strange we Welshmen we didn't have much live sports there was never live football on but yeah. in prime time once a week there'd be one man and his dog yeah consisted of slightly socially yeah uh, kind of hermity kind of shepherds whoa yeah. boy whoa 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 what? and because you were so starved of live sporting yeah. you would watch that show I've for watched literally several hours. episodes I've watched several episodes <laughs> of on one that. man and his dog but there's no kill in, uh, in one manner, it's sheep herded. The point is to avoid the kill. Yep. Um, it would be, of course, British hunting wouldn't be uh, of the Babe Winkleman variety, yep. Rog. It would have been, uh, you know, people tops. in pinks, Your tops, people. my people. Uh, pink, well, not even my people, the people who look down on my people. And uh, Toffs on horseback with hounds and uh, fox hunting, I would suppose. <sighs> There's your answer. It wouldn't be so good. Uh, okay, Rog. 
We've got a packed show, which is amazing, seeing as we're in the middle of an international break. We're going to break down the Von Trapps games against Switzerland and Denmark. We're going to celebrate international footballing phenom Lord Harry Kane. We're going to recap Euro 2016 qualifying and talk about an MLS's edition of Minnesota United FC. We're joined by arguably the most powerful man in all of Burnley, the one and only Dave Fishwick. Can't wait for that. Okay, Roger, let's crack open the Guinness. Let's get to the football. The World Cup 2018, David. Is it still happening? <laughs> oh no, that's the one that is. That's one that we're playing Russia. It ha- might not happen, Roger. That's the one we're going to win. And by we, I mean the U.S. men's national team. Yeah. <sighs> okay, Roger. To the football. The international break. Football's equivalent of a rebound romance. You lament mistakes in the past. You attempt to enjoy the present and try and convince yourself the future looks promising, even though you did this before and decided it didn't. <laughs> Sorry, I was I was going back into my own past. Okay, Rog, Switzerland won, the United States of America won, a game that finished just minutes before recording this pod. A 10-man U.S. team concedes an 80th-minute goal that nullifies a first-half Breck Shea 4.01 strike. Today's match comes after the Von Trapps lost 3-2 in Denmark last week with the former toast of North London, Lord Nicholas Bentner, netting <laughs> a hat-trick. So, yeah, we said a 10-man U.S. team. We could get to the Josie Altador incident, Rog. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about both games. I think the big overarching headline it's a bit of a head scratcher US since 2014 World Cup they've scored 11 first half goals they've scored just one in the second 45 their opponents have scored three times in the first half they've scored 12 in the second so they are very Jekyll and Hyde there's a huge gnashing of teeth the World Cup bloom has truly fallen off the Jurgen Rose Davo so much anger so much disappointment, so much self-loathing about these friendlies. I know. And I'll say, my headline is, there's things worth getting angry about in football. What's worth getting angry about in football, Rog? I mean, for me, here's how I think about it. I just spent four hours this week yeah. watching players writhe and pucker themselves on Jurgen Klinsmann's casting couch for yeah. the Gold Cup. I don't get angry about any of that. Yeah. The only thing I can get angry about after those four hours, Davo, is the new US jersey. Oh. Do you know what that jersey reminds me of? So bad. It looks like it was lifted from Liverpool's warrior reject pile. But this is pretty amazing considering how, even though we cheered for this team last summer, we loved them, even though we didn't like the jersey. We, 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 we made our the case against jersey. the jersey. Against the, it looked like one of those cheap um, lollies, one of those cheap ice creams, yep. those cheap frozen pops. ones. Yeah, you, you, you buy at a dodgy ice cream truck, Rog. But it's this jersey is even worse than that. When yes. we were kids, there's a department store in England called C and A, and they make some of the worst I stuff. I think it's a European. It is. C and A is just terrible. And when I was a kid, remember I told you the story about my red UCLA sweatshirt, which yep. I was so proud of until I realised that the colours of UCLA are actually blue and yellow. It's yep. just poorly made Knock-offs. stuff. They would made tracksuits when we were kids. We, you know, we loved tracksuits, and I could never afford an Adidas tracksuit. Or, you know, a tracksuit umbro, something that, that real footballers would wear. So my mum would go and buy CNA tracksuits. And there was something always a bit wrong with the CNA tracksuit. It just, the stripes were in the wrong place, had the wrong colours. Everything felt cheap. This two stripes, uniform two stripes going feels like a CNA uniform. Yeah. I both agree with you, but I also feel like you've kind of let us into an important... A lot of your life since then has been trying to compensate and make up for... Making it, up for that. A childhood wearing a CNA 
It was the sole reason I got good at tennis, was so I was good enough that people would give me stuff for free. (laughs) So I didn't have to wear CNA tracksuits anymore. I was going to say, this jersey, I was trying to get my head around why you would design a jersey like this. Yeah. The only way you design it like that is if you were given a bet that it's actually possible to design a worse kit than the World Cup 2014 one. Yeah, maybe. A a really proper football team does not wear clothes like that, which look like they were stolen from the set of a Battlestar Galactica remake. Yeah. Resident 90660 said the new US men's national team jersey looks like a printer that ran out of ink. We've got to stop the madness now, David. Yeah. Simple, clean, fine design. It'll change everything. I suppose the way I feel a little bit about these friendlies, two not very good performances, two not very good results. It's fine result, 1-1. We can all tell ourselves it's fine. But the reality is none of this matters. None of it matters. I don't know what we learned. I don't know what Jürgen can possibly learn from this. I don't think any of it really matters. Well, I tell it a lot. I thought Swiss were amazing hosts. I yeah. love a marching band, which makes the atmosphere sound like a college football game. Well, certainly there were less people there than a college football game, Rog. Well, I, I love that there were less people there. I got to hear Pet Shop Boys, uh-huh. old hits, loud and clear. There's a bit of village people in there. The, the, version, the brass band's version of Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. Oh, Katrina and the Waves. Oh, they were so big in England. Yeah. Loved it. I loved the poetic commentary by the Pogues Brad Friedel. Yeah, oh my God. When I hear him speak, I want to listen to Rum Sodomy in the Lash, something terrible. Yeah. Uh, but I also love that you could hear Jurgen. I thought it was Ars uh, Blog for a long time. <laughs> then I realized it was Jurgen because there's no crowd. You could just hear him be like, Come on, Josie! 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 What are you thinking? What are you thinking, Josie? And I love it. I mean, it, for the, the second game, let's take that first. It was there were, there were long stretches when there was a return towards the 2014 World Cup pluck of US football, a cultish delight on the eye. They were much more balanced than in the first game. Bradley higher up, Bedoya besides him, uh, Danny Williams mopping up. They coped better against a midfield that didn't contain Christian Eriksen. And while the defence remained skittish as ever, US had all the chances in the first half. Zardes... And Bradley both wandered from close range. And Switzerland played like a team that were just content to hold on until the last 10 minutes when they thought they could score two or three goals as America wilted. There was a lovely moment in the first half. Bedoya headed over from, uh, from a very close range. They cut to Jürgen jumping up and down in frustration like an ang- angry toddler on the sideline. I could watch a gif of Jürgen jumping up and down in frustration all day long. It gives me enormous pleasure. But then the goal, Davey. Out of nowhere in Judge Ivor Bennett time. Breck Shea, big question. Who thought it was a good idea to let Breck Shea take the free kick? And what did he say to persuade Josie Altador and Michael Bradley to get the hell away from the ball? Well, I like your theory is that Breck Shea is very, very good with a curling free kick over a short wall. Short over a people. wall of smalls. Yep. A wall of smalls. Breck Shea's your man. He's a little appreciant. Yeah. And he knew Switzerland. They have a load of lumpers. He clipped yeah. it over there. And then he wheeled away in delight like Brienne of Tarth on an extreme diet. Yeah. And the commentator screamed, Orlando City's Breck Shea. Yeah. <laughs> no one has ever looked less like a footballer <laughs> than Breck Shea. I mean, I looked at him after the game and I thought, that is a man who looks like a graphic designer. He does not look like a footballer. I'd love to have him on the pod because his art is very interesting. I'd it love is. to do an art hour with Breck Shea and the Men in Blazers. But that free kick was hit with a touch that just could not have been learned in Stoke City. Yeah. Check yourself before you Breck yourself. Cue a flurry of tweets about Brexit, but for good reasons. Yeah. Something which has possibly never happened before. And then into the second half, loved watching Michael Bradley propelling the team forward. He had a couple of whiffs in great position. And the thing that's fascinating to me about Michael Bradley, Davey, his facial expression. Never changes. Never, never changes. He never 
changes. He's the most poker face footballer. He could win the World Series of Poker. Oh, you know how footballers miss and they normally scowl or yeah. like cover their hands or lift their shirt up and put it over their face? Not Michael Bradley. Not a flicker. At JJ Barker tweeted us, Michael Bradley may be the most miscast 10 since Dudley Moore met Bo Derrick. <laughs> That's so good. And then Josie. Oh, Josie. What are you thinking, Josie? Oh, I told you not to think. Never, Never think. to think. Josie, we talked about this. If you don't think, you don't talk, Josie. What happened, Dave? You, let's just say this. You have to try really, really, really hard to get a red card. In, in an international friendly. I mean, so you wrong. really have to. So you've got to credit Josie to yeah. some degree, Dave. Yeah. Well, Fox helped us because you were actually looking down at your notes during the game when this happened. And I was like, Oh my God, Josie's just been sent off. Because it came out of nothing. You know, it was Arsenal-y, Roger. The US were attacking. They lost the ball. It was back in the defensive third. And it was a pretty horrible foul. Yeah, I mean, Josie, after the first game, he'd said, the US need to be harder. We need to be tougher. We need to be more physical. He was pretty hard with that foul there. Yeah, but Josie is not really a physical player. We've said before that for a big guy... He's one of the least physical big guys in football. Yeah. And it says he ran after the ball. He chased the player. He's in the defensive third. It was a pretty nasty foul. And first of all, I thought he'd been straight red carded for the foul because it was so late, so cynical. Uh, in fact, and I think Fox helped us when they did the blurring over his mouth on the replay. He definitely used the F word I think twice. He said, I think he said, Heidi sucks. <laughs> yeah, Swiss he said, people. He said something. Your novel Heidi, it sucks. I yeah. think it might have been lost in translation. Yeah, you get sent off in Switzerland for that, though, right? Yeah, you get the universal truth in all sports. Officials yeah. do not like to be told to f off. Mm-hmm. They just don't, Davo. At Tomat1602, a red card in a friendly is like getting fired on your day off. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Zlatan, Stevie G, Josie, all the greats get a red card, Dave. Yeah, Switzerland got an equaliser from a set piece. People will make the point. Of course they did. That, you know what, it didn't matter that they were a man down because a set piece, it doesn't matter. It's like an even team against an even team. But you're probably a man down, which is why you give up the set piece in the the first place. Anyway, so it ends up... Yedlin and Morales both jumping for the same ball. I mean, the best part of that... Valentin Stocker didn't celebrate the goal. I mean, mostly because he's hoping for an MLS move is the only reason. Because he wasn't that he scored against his old team. But we love Timmy Chandler. Oh, putting his arm up for offside. On the goal line, screaming for offside. Yeah, when he's looking straight up, straight back up the pitch towards the player And he happens to be the player who is keeping everybody else inside. I love that A remarkable performance. At Holy Calamity tweeted us, when we Americans send bribes to FIFA, can we also start asking them to shorten official matches to 75 minutes? Yeah. A great suggestion. I thought, Davo, yeah. there was a lot there to feel optimistic about. Yeah. Or was it just that the Danish game was so brutal, so savage? I mean, watching that game in general, I was about as excited as Sarah Jessica Parker at an NHL game. The most pleasure I experienced the whole time was whenever Ian Dark carefully pronounced the host town, or house. He yeah. never misses an umlaut, that bloke. It's an amazing way to approach life. But talk about a huge gnashing of teeth. This was, uh, I mean, this was a fascinating reaction to the loss in Denmark. I mean, it was a pretty good performance. I mean, I worry what the US really gained from these games. I know you say there's things to be optimistic about. There are very few people here, very little atmosphere. A Swiss team who didn't seem to work particularly hard uh, or seem to care particularly about this game. Um, ultimately, I think great for Breckshay's confidence that he scored that goal. I think that Jürgen's taken a look at a few new players. But I wonder, really, going into this game uh, on 
April the 15th against Mexico, which is really for me where the US season starts. I wonder uh, how much Jürgen has really learned. Well, I think it's lovely to see Michael Bradley begin to play with a modicum of confidence again. I think Zardes will be better for the experience of an international tour. I think Danny Williams was fascinating. Bedoya uh, looked terrific in the second game. Um, I mean, we had a chance to see Josie and Aaron jo Johansson play together. Not mm -hmm. badly. I mean, the, the honest truth is that the Denmark game it was, it was gruesome on the eye. It was about, it was like watching, it was about thinking about Mariah Carey and Brett Ratner doing it. <laughs> but then out of nowhere, David, the 20th minute, Josie. Have you ever thought about that? A lot since I found out they really? were dating. A lot. Wow. It's just a very, uh, it's a very dark, very complicated cultural uh, coupling. Yeah. I'd say. Um, also, <laughs> don't throw me off, David. Yeah, I, want okay. to, I don't want to think about now Brett Ratner and Mariah Carey doing it. I yeah. want to think about Josie, the good Josie, 20th minute, covered by two defenders, somehow banking it off, the ball off, the two defenders into the net, Harry Kane style. Even more than his goal, I'll have Josie's thin pencil moustache, the most hyped piece of facial hair since Tyrion Lannister's beard in the Game of Thrones trailer. I've got to say, if Josie Altador keeps scoring goals like that, he'll get the big Premier League movies always dreamt about. 27 goals for the US in just 79 games, now 80 for Josie. And then the game got very, very concaffy. And essentially came down to a big mistake by Jurgen in the game plan when he uh, probably just put up on a huge chalkboard. Don't worry about Nicholas Bender. He's yeah. total crap. Yeah. 27 goals and 65 caps for Lord Bentner. I mean, Bentner is a striker, David. Who scored more tabloid headlines than goals? Yeah. If you don't, if you're not familiar with the work of Bentner, his career is just a litany of DUIs, stumbling out of nightclubs with his pants around his ankles, car crashes, public fights, including so undanish. A, a classic last year in Copenhagen, in which he had a drunken bout of fisticuffs with a taxi driver, mm -hmm. and then proceeded to dry hump the taxi mm -hmm. uh, in front of thousands of tourists taking photos of a professional footballer trying to sex up an automobile. Yeah, as and, one does. And so the big storyline of this game, Bentner to MLS, Josie to EPL. Yeah. But the, the thing you write about is that for professional footballers, these games are hard. Uh -huh. They arrive jet-lagged, they train for a tiny amount of time, uh -huh. and then they're thrown on with kind of players they've never played alongside, particularly at the back. I mean, those game, these games are very difficult, but which makes me wonder why there is such an outcry surrounding the loss. I mean, the outcry level after the Denmark game was like Howard Schultz race together level outcry, David. This was a friendly. It was, it was less an international game. It was more like one of those reality singing talent contests where they have all those in the first round, the aspirational body shapes and sizes lining <laughs> up to save their 10 seconds in front of the... Alfredo Morales on! Okay, you stop singing now. It's, Alfredo Melez is like one of those guys who creep towards the microphone with fear and leash a sound like a kitten being strangled and are then humiliated by Simon Cowell or I guess Alexi Lalas yeah. in the Simon Cowell role. I know Jürgen admires European football, David, and has deep-rooted connections to Tottenham Hotspur. For him, setting up the US back four to play in a Spursy style has taken that a little bit too far. I just wonder what the whole point of going to Europe is. In the middle of European qualifying when Switzerland are actually in a dogfight in their group. They're in the same group as England. They're in a dogfight with, uh, with a few teams to go and finish second place in that group, one would assume, behind England. Um, I just wonder what the point is. The Swiss fans didn't turn up in that place. There was no atmosphere in that place. You know, there was a time when the US used to go to Europe and people underestimated them. That's never going to happen anymore to this team. There's a time now where there are countries in the world you can go to where people really want to beat the US, which means that it's 
Uh, there's some pressure on the US there. There's some, there's some aggro. There's something that feels a little bit like, like tournament play when you go there. But instead, you go to Switzerland, no one's really watching. There's no real pressure on the game at all. It just feels like an odd thing to go and do. And it's a little bit of a... And there are moments in the end of the first half where, you know, Jürgen's walking off and he's getting hugged by all the Swiss players. It feels a bit more about Jürgen and his love of European football than it does feel as though it's something really good for the US team. Go to Panama. Go to, like, somewhere within our zone. Go to somewhere in South America where people still want to beat the US. I mean, at Paul Carr ESPN, the great Paul Carr tweeted, the US has seven wins uh, or draws in 12 European road games with Klinsmann. They had seven wins or draws in 26 European road games from 1992 to 2010. Jürgen is definitely preoccupied with Europe. He says that's where the music was played. The next couple of games, we play Mexico here, and then we're away again to the Netherlands and then Germany. Uh, so there will be time for us to beat up ourselves, America. This is not it. He's definitely fixated on Europe being the place where the excellent football is played, where his players need to test themselves at the highest level. Having said that, we didn't need to use Julian Green once in the last two games, so our future is still box fresh. And the good news, Davo, World Cup final, 1,201 days away. Wow, just that many. 28,835 hours Jürgen has to find the right starting in 11. And all I can say, David... third at the World Cup. There could be a 15 or 16-year-old listening to this podcast right now in Maryland, California or Texas, who's a visionary oh, passer... Dusseldorf. ...like Christian Eriksen or a sharp-shooting finisher like American Harry Kane. A lot can change between now and the World Cup final. Very true, Rog. In Euro 2016 qualifying, England... For Lithuania, nil, another game that is almost meaningless, Rog. England remains unbeaten at the top of Group E after a routine win at Wembley. Goals from Wayne Rooney, Danny Welbeck, <sighs> Daniel Sturridge had England cruising. In the 73rd minute, just 79 seconds after coming on, Rog, Harry Kane, who else, scored in his England debut, converting all non-believers and prompting a religious shift, the likes of which England hasn't seen since Henry VIII took the church away from the Pope, away from the Church of Rome and formed the Church of England. Oh, more Harry Kane porn. It was exactly what a nation needed. He's no longer a mere Jeremy Lin, English Jeremy Lin. He's more like a greater American. He's Matt Saracen. Yeah. Clear eyes, full hearts, yeah. can't lose, Dave. Oh, he is Matt Saracen. Two touches, familiarise himself with the Wembley tour, yeah. and then unleashing an unstoppable kind of crap header yeah. at the far post, 79 seconds. Storybook season continues. His 30th goal at Yap617 tweeted us to say, at Men in Blazers, how is there not a statue of Harry Kane in Trafalgar Square yet? I don't know. Yeah, take down Nelson, Rog. Um, it's a... Uh, one of the uh, British writers in The Guardian wrote that Harry Kane travels everywhere with a force field of space, <laughs> which is, and it's so true when you watch top, he's the, Harry Kane, with it, not blessed with incredible speed, he just always is in space. It's the most remarkable, remarkable thing. Yeah, not in a Cheech and Chong kind of way. No, 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 not in that kind of space, Rog. Um, I mean, it, we grew up what, reading these cartoons, Hotshot Hamish, Billy's Boots, Roy of the Rovers, oh. storybook cartoons have kind of, Rare human beings that unexpectedly became genii football players. He is living that yeah. that life. It's Harry Kane. The headlines are remarkable. Harry Kane exclusive. I've cried watching England. Now I want to make a nation smile. 
Uh, the stories are amazing. There's a story in the Daily Mail how he knew it was going to be a season pre-season. Tottenham Hotspur were coming on a tour of America. They were going to throw a ceremonial first pitch at Chicago Cubs. Who would do it? They set up a tiny little hoop from a crossbar. Every player tried to pitch from the right distance. Only me and Gilfie Sigurdsson got it through. And then Gilfie Sigurdsson oh, so went to suddenly <laughs> traded. And the newspaper said, what about Brad Friedel? Didn't he uh, get it through the hoop? And they're like, yeah, but he just kept coughing and telling everyone he was really just into basketball. And then the newspaper said, so, Harry, how did he get on at the Chicago Cubs? He says, nailed it. Strike. He says, pointed smashed to it. it. Yeah, smashed it. Smashed nailed it. it. I'm not sure what I love more, David. Kane's strike after 79 seconds. Or the cameras cutting to Rooney, who'd just been subbed out with his fake smile, almost beatific smile, on the sideline. Well, actually, I think Rooney's going to be the beneficiary of this because I think Rooney, as in Kane, has a partner that finally he can go and uh, play his oh, favourite position with. I think looks, it's good for him. He looks so weird. Though. My wife thinks he's had filler, some kind of silicon injected into his forehead. <laughs> he looks it's, like it's new, improved. It's David Arlo's beautiful tweet, Arlo White, 18 seconds it took Kane to score for his first England goal. I'm sure all this will be kept in perspective. At Terence Kane tweeted, are we sure Harry Kane isn't playing FIFA career mode on easy? Can I ask you this, Dave? Mm -hmm. How long will English people be nice about Harry Kane before they sully him, break him, besmirch him and hate him? Great question. And they are being so nice about Harry Kane. And not just Tottenham fans. I mean, everybody loves the Harry Kane story. And I think one of the reasons people are being really nice about Harry Kane, one of the reasons that people are excited about it, is by all accounts, this is a lovely, lovely young man. You don't hear bad stories about Harry Kane. You hear that he's a consummate professional, that he's great, he works really hard, and he deserves everything that's come to him at this point. However, the British media will destroy Harry Kane. Mark my words, he will be destroyed. I mean, I'd say the over and under is about three months. I think the lovely thing about him is that he's struggled to the top four low moves be- before he found his feet unexpectedly. Yeah. I mean, Played for Barry Hearn at Lake Norient. Yeah, and hardly got a game, I yeah. think. I mean, the, the reality is he wasn't some vaunted prospect who kind of was driving a Lamborghini when he was 16. But soon the buzzards and endorsers will be lurking. He's got to retain his focus. Chris Waddle, the former English international, tweeted, it's all about next season for Harry Kane. I think I know what's going to happen next season. I got a glimpse of Harry Kane's future on the Comedy Central Justin Bieber roast. Harry Kane will smash up his Lamborghini. He'll get tattoos. He'll leave his pet monkey with German customs officers. And then he'll end up being roasted by Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg. In a Comedy Central roast. By the way, if you do love the Comedy Central roast, get yourself the New York Friars Club Book of Roasts by Barry Doherty. It shows you how you should really roast a person in the red buttons kind of way. By the way, talking about Harry Kane, I'm very sad about Downton Abbey, the season ending. Yeah. I spent a lot of time this weekend also trying to think. I, I had hoped Downton Abbey would keep advancing until it got to the 1970s. Yeah. When we, Thomas <laughs> would be a very aging proprietor of, a, of, of English pornography. Yeah. Very successful. Now that's not going to happen. I keep trying to think, how should Downton Abbey end knowing that next season is its end season? And I realised when Kane, there's only one way it can end. When Harry Kane scored, the last scene of Downton Abbey, sorry, spoiler alert, season whatever, Carson and Mrs. Hughes <laughs> should be visited by an angel who tells Mrs. Hughes she'll soon become pregnant. Uh-huh. Mrs. Hughes will laugh and say, after I am worn out, my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? But the prophecy will become correct. They'll have a son. She'll wrap him in cloths and place him in a manger because there's no guest room available for them. Uh-huh. And when he's born, 
Yeah. A voice will ring out and say, today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This sounds familiar. Yeah. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And Carson, Carson will look at the baby and call him Harry Kane. Carson, Carson created Harry Kane. With Mrs. Hughes. Genius. Yeah. With Mrs. Hughes. That's how the downturn Genius, genius, genius. I think that will work. We should say that Harry Kane started today's uh, game for England against Italy. Another friendly, Rog, in Turin. Torino. Uh, it's taking place as we pod. It's going on behind me on ESPN3. I have no idea what's well, going on. Let me ask you this. Wayne Rooney, mm-hmm. with his silicon implants, yeah. says England are a different proposition since the World Cup because they found, quote, an aggressive streak, a Josie Altadorist aggressive streak. How do we know? English group is such a breeze. It's like the CONCACAF kind of World Cup qualifying. What would you prefer? Would you prefer that they have the cosy group they're currently navigating? Or have kind of tougher tests that get them in the kind of battle-hardened... England are great at qualifying. England are great at qualifying. England were great in qualifying for the World Cup. England were great at qualifying for the last Euros. England have no problem qualifying. Unfortunately, that's not the point of tournament football, Rog. It's about what happens when you go to the game. I've stopped watching the England national team. Didn't even watch the whole game. I've started watching the under... I'm just watching age group football now. Our under-18s and our under-21s are actually really, really good. England under-21s came back from behind, beat Germany, Rog. They beat Germany 3-2. England under-18s, fantastic. Adam Armstrong from uh, Newcastle. What a performance, Rog. Uh, England 19s, they, under 18s, they beat Switzerland 6 1, I think. I just love killed your them. approach. You like to pretend we have a bright future rather no, than have your dreams shattered no, no, no. and broken. They'll be crap by the time we get to the national team level, but we might do quite well just in the age group level. Qualifying, since we were knocked out of the 2008 Euros in qualifying, England have won 25 games and yeah. only lost seven. A They're phenomenal amazing record. at qualifying. Well, I've got to say, part of me thinks international football is crap. I'm now so used to the English Premier League and the Champions League. The product, international football, because the players are not familiar with each other, they're not hardened together as a unit. It just doesn't compete. It's like eating dietetic chocolate. You know, we didn't talk a lot about this when we were down in Brazil. Pretending on, there was good air. football. Pretending but, there was but good we football. did to each other the whole time. Is that the football played... I mean, at World Cups, it's incredibly hot. These players are a long way from home. They're not very happy. People have, Coaches are very tactically defensive. But... Uh, these teams are just not moulded in the way that club teams are moulded. And I think with Americans starting to watch a lot more football, are starting to realise how crap all of this international stuff is. Which is why I think FIFA, playing around with the World Cup, moving it to... I think they're giving... They could destroy the brand, Rog. The World Cup might not be a brand in the future. Really could be crap. Yep. Really, really could be crap. Totally, totally agree. And I think the Euros, now they've gone to these 24 teams qualifying. I mean, I think France is going to be the last hurrah, Roger. Gooses, golden eggs, yep. set blatters, von yep. Garbers, MLS. Uh, other Euro 2016, which I basically just uh, null and voided by saying it's crap and useless and who cares about it. In other news from something we don't care about very much, Shane Long scored a stoppage time equaliser against Poland, Rod, to rescue a point in Dublin. Keep Ireland's 2016 hopes very much alive. Yeah. Wales go to Israel. They win 3-0, Rog, I'm sorry, behind two goals from Gareth Bale. Wales sit atop Group B, two points ahead of Israel, Why three is ahead of Belgium. Those two teams are playing against each other right now. Belgium are 1-0 ahead. Excruciatingly crap, um, Israel. Good news for Gibraltar, Rog. The mighty jib, mighty jib scored its first goal of qualifying. It was against Scotland, so it's mitigated in <laughs> Glasgow. The bad news, they still lost 6 2 one. Scary scenes, Rog, in Montenegro. Did you see these? Terrifying. Uh, against Russia. Their game against Russia in Podrika. 
uh, where a brawl between the teams prompted the ref to suspend in the 67th minute. The melee came after objects thrown from the stands hit Russian players, including goalkeeper Igor Akinfiev. That was a horrible, horrible scene, Roger. He was struck with a flare. He was taken to hospital, treated and released, thank God. Uh, when the game ended, it was nil-nil. Uh, one friendly of note, Argentina defeated El Salvador 2-0 in a match that featured the most egregious football-related musical error since we conceived our theme tune, yeah. Rog. As the teams lined up before the game, organisers at Maryland's FedEx Field mistakenly played... Listen to this. Mistakenly. Mistakenly. Oh, it, just, it was just a mistake. They played the national anthem of the Isle of Man instead of the national anthem of El Salvador, Himo Nacional de El Salvador prompting the crowd to whistle and disgust and leaving the players confused. Isle of Man, what are you doing having a national anthem? Isle of Man is a small island between it would be like sort na- of north of Wales to the west of England to the uh, east of Ireland. It would be like Nantucket having a national anthem. Yeah. It's cocky. Yeah. It's arrogant. You're not mm-hmm. a country. What are you doing with one? Yeah. Secondly, I think someone's punking DC's massive El Salvadorian community. Amazingly proud. Amazingly support um, an amazing support base mm-hmm. for their national team in this country hymno national de el salvador david you know yeah. the lyrics a stern barrier protector that's one of my favorites against the clash of vile disloyalty ever yeah. since the day when oh, her soaring flag disloyalty. wrote freedom with its blood oh, how do you mix blood. that up with our island thus blessed no foe can molest our mm-hmm. grain and our fish shall increase yeah different do you know what? The foes don't molest it because they have no interest in going there, Rod. They're not interested in your grain or fish. I hope heads roll for that. It's disgusting. Yeah, very, very true, Rog. In Premier League news, because we do have some Premier League news, even though there was no Premier League football this weekend, Barclays, Rog, will not renew its $60 million a year sponsorship deal. One of our GFOPs told us this, actually, a little while ago, when it's up at the end of next $178 million. Yeah, uh, three-year deal is up. They've been yeah. a title sponsor of the Premier League since 2001. The only yeah. other title sponsor was Carling, which did it from 1993. Who will replace them, Davo? Yeah, have to see. Do I mean, they I have to begin with a B so it can make, continue to be called the BPL? Yeah, maybe. Country. I would say 178 million a year to sponsor the Premier League is a pretty good deal, Rod, for three years. You would. Here's who I've got. Yeah, okay, go. Who I'd like. My first choice. Fishwick. I prefer. I'd like Pi. Yeah. To sponsor it, the Pi Premier League it just oh. sounds right. You but mean the symbol for Pi, the three no, points, whatever. I mean the the English Pi Lobby. Yeah. Which are as powerful as the NRA in America. They are but in in yeah. England. The Pi Lobby. Um, but the EPL would have to pay Pi to lend them their brand. Uh huh. For that one, it would have. They'd have to reverse pay, so they probably wouldn't go for that. Mm-hmm. So the only other idea I've had, David, mm-hmm. the perfect sponsor for yeah. the English Premier League. Yeah with the game taken off here in this country, yeah. in America, would be Major League Baseball. <laughs> <laughs> they, could call it, they could call it MLB EPL. MLB EPL? Yeah. In well, the MLB EPL? Yep. Yeah. Just listen to me, yeah, okay. baseball people. Your yeah. sport's about to kick off April yeah. 5th. Yeah. I love it. It's chess with chewing tobacco. Not many kids yeah. like it. Yeah. So attach your dying sport, your yeah. corpsey sport, to one that's vital and relevant to the yeah. young American audience that you used to like that you now cover. It's not only logical, it's actually self-destructive for new commissioner Rob Manford to fail to make it happen. Yeah, it's Bring a genius, back the kids. genius, genius idea, yep. Roger. MLB th- EPL. I think it could happen. Oh, it's catching up. In other Premier League news, I'm sure news that's going to delight you, as the Barclays uh, bow out, John Terry re-ups, Rog. 
He signed a new one-year contract with Chelsea, bringing him into his 18th season oh, yes. with the club. When which... I read that he'd resigned, I thought he'd resigned. No, I got quite excited. No, no, no. No. It's a one-year contract. Yeah. Um, at Goose underscore CFC underscore GFOP. Yeah, might be a Chelsea fan. One of your people. Yeah. He said, thoughts on your favourite CFC captain signing a new contract, question mark. At least you'll have another year of JT jokes at your disposal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, it's John Terry, gone. I'm not surprised he's re-signed for the team. He's still a very good captain. He's the captain of the team that are leading the Premier League at this point. He is still arguably the best defender in the Premier League, the best central defender in the Premier League, not because of his speed, not because of his... Um, necessarily doesn't get forward in the way that he used to as a, as a younger player. He used to be a rampage. I was watching John Stones play for the England under-21s, by the way, this week, Rog. He was fantastic. John Terry was like that as a younger player. He was a rampaging. He could actually dribble the ball. He could carry the ball forward. John Stones has that same passing ability. John Terry was a very, very good passer as a younger player. Not the player he was in those skills, but still as a leader. If you go to Stamford Bridge and watch him play, he... He just basically orders around Gary Cahill, Kurt Zuma, whoever he's playing with. He organises that defence superbly. There's still some more mileage for him as a football player, even though he doesn't have a lot of speed anymore as he's been exposed in recent games to the sort of long ball over his head. He'll still be a very good Premier League football. In defence of John Terry, because I'm sure I have to defend him, this is a guy who again and again and again goes out of his way to play in the testimonials in the charity games. He's the first to sign up, the first uh, to go and play in Stylian Petrov's uh, testimonial last year. He was there going and playing in Gerard's testimonial uh, for a charitable cause this weekend. Good for you, JT. Facial expressions is all I'm <laughs> saying across the mic from me with Rod. But I've got some Barclays news for you, David. Okay, We've Rog, got to say go Barclays ahead. as often as we can. Yeah. They announced. Are they paying us now? <laughs> I've got some money. Okay, good. But note to self. Right they announced, to according Barclays. to Sports Direct, who yeah. are the best-selling players' jerseys of the season so far? The top 10, David. Oh, I know who's number I one. I will be amazed. I will, I will literally, I will polish your shoes for a week if you get this right. Oh, I oh, I know that Di Maria is the leading Manchester United jersey. Is he the leading jersey in the Premier League? Do you want the shoes polished black? Or <laughs> I got it. Di I Maria. believe it, David. Yeah. Number one, shirt sale, 2014 slash 15. Yeah. Spit and polish. Yeah. Angel Di Maria, Amazing, David. Amazing, isn't it? One in ten jerseys ordered in England. Yeah. Are Di Maria's jersey. I know. Way ahead of Alexis in number two. Diego yeah. Costa, number three. And... Unbelievably, De Gea yeah. coming in fourth. Azard, Rooney, Falcao, Stevie G, Kun Aguero, and Van Persie round off the top ten. Harry, where's, where's Harry Kane? Where's English Jesus, Rog? It must be some kind of typo, David. Yeah. People asking for a Stevie Naismith, but like spelling it horribly yeah. wrong. I can't, he's been such a flop on the field. Yeah, he's yeah. still selling one in ten jerseys. It is a remarkable statement on fandom. I tell you, that made me despair. But do you know what picked me up and made me happy? What did, Rog? Other Premier League news. Steve Bruce's holiday. Oh, those pictures, Rog. To Barbados. The whole manager. You see all these... Nigel Pearson cracking up under the stress of the relegation fight. Duress. Angst. Huge money on the line. What does Steve Bruce do during the inter? Does he stay there, sleep week in, week out in his office, just trying to work out the right back four kind of combination that has his son in it that can keep them up in the Premier League. No, he goes away to Barbados with his wife, with yeah. Alan Shearer, former uh, footballing legend for England, and Kenny Dalglish. All I can say is, and I showed you the photos, I've had them on my desk. Are now, these, going, these are going to go on our website, Rosh, because they're just amazing. They're, they are some of the happiest photographs I've ever seen of a man, no doubt under great duress professionally, 
but able to detach himself from that duress. Hull are in the relegation zone. They have a murderer's row of games in the run-in, which make yeah. them, I think, relegation favourites. But all these photos, how would you describe them, David? Well, there are three pictures. In number one, he's just he's reclining. His eyes are shut. I mean, his tummy is just... <laughs> it's, it's enormous, but it just... <laughs> It just brings me so much joy. There's nothing. Rog. It brings his tummy brings me so much These joy. These are photos of a happy rotund man oh. splashing around, lying on a lounger in a fantastic. pair of beach shirts. And I say the shirt off unabashedly, belly out, belly yes. just. I mean, it makes me feel great about life, David. And a middle-aged man, 54 years of age, and one with his body and the impact of aging on that body. But he's happy. He's content. He's 73% made of pie. He's got a strong tummy, though. Look how strong that tummy is. Oh, it could take a punch. His nipples are just so happy, poised yeah. above, and their own little orbs. They just sit beautifully. They lay beautifully on his little shelf of a tummy. They, but the best of all, on. best of all, I would say arguably, I, you know, people spend a lot of money for Gerskis and those large format photographies. I would, I'm going to spend a fortune having this enlarged and put massively up on the wall in, in uh, This in being my a home, photo Rog. of Steve Bruce diving off a diving platform. Step, a diving platform. Like. With a rather terrified-looking young woman in the water. Yep. And he's mid-air, sort of horizontal, about to go down in the most massive belly <laughs> flop of all time. I said to Rog when he showed me the picture that one word came to my mind, and it was displacement. And it was displacement of the entire Caribbean. You know, St. Kitts... <laughs> Barbuda, some of the smaller islands could have been flooded after he went in here. If there's been t- I haven't followed the news, but if there have been tidal waves in the Caribbean, they may have been caused by the result of this dive. Can I just say, watching that photo, in all sincerity, is how I aspire to be in life, to be at one with myself in the world. I yeah. love it. Sure, He off. is not worried about going Tell down. Tell me out, Steve Bruce, respect. Yeah. Who would you most want to go on holiday with from the, of our EPL friends? Steve Bruce. Without any doubt whatsoever. I've, had, I've said that Steve Bruce would be my number one choice for Night on the Lash with. I mean, it wouldn't. Of, of our managers. I'd like to go out with Alice Let's go through some of them. Look, in the, of the managers. And players too. If you could go of any football, if you could go on holiday of any footballers, what, who would you go with and where would you go? Well, I wouldn't mind going out with Harry Kane right now because it, it would just be remarkable. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see Wing the miracles. Man. I'd like to see the miracles. <laughs> yeah. No, but the, for me, I'm looking, just, I was just thinking about the managers as you went through it. The Dutch are all off the table because the Dutch are weird. They get you into trouble. So the Van, Dutch guys... Van Gaal likes to go golf. He's uh, got a place in Portugal. He just I would get golfing. all the, the... Well, I like golf, but I wouldn't go away with any of the Dutch managers. You know, Mourinho, that would be not a good time. Wouldn't enjoy that. Wenger, not a good time. Wouldn't I'd enjoy like, it. I'd like to get away with Wenger. Gary Monk, he seems like a nice guy to go away with. I would rent a villa outside of Siena. Yeah. With Juan Mata. Yeah. Kyle Beckerman. Yeah. And Dusan Tadic. Yeah. Megan Rapino. <laughs> take the old, the fourth bedroom she yeah. wants. And we just read stuff, walk around. Yeah. Eat really well. You think Tadic is a big reader? Talk about life. I do. Yeah. I bet you he is. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Which of cr- the managers, which manager would you like to go with? Or Martinez. Martinez. He's a great guy. He's I'd phenomenal. Love to go away with him. I think he's great. he'd be good with the family. Yeah. Very yeah. family centric player. Yeah, he'd be a nice guy to go away with. I'd like to go away with yeah. Nigel Pearson. Yeah. I think he'd toughen me up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Mentally and physically. <laughs> he really would. No doubt about it. Uh, just don't, don't use lunar analogies. Don't say waxing <laughs> and waning, Rog. By the way, yes. in case you didn't know, you've got a new Premier League download film on goalkeeping. Coming out. I've done such a great job with these, Rog. I'm quite excited by this one. This one premieres after the Manchester Derby on NBC Sports Network, April 
12th. Tell yeah. me about it, Roger. It's a beautiful film. Yeah. It really is. They've done a, an amazing job. I love working with Pierre Moussa on yeah. these things. Um, you spent time with Tim Howard, Brad Guzan. Azamir Begovic. Wow. And Kasper Schmeichel. Oh, he's a good keeper. And I was fascinated. You know, we, we speak a lot to kickers and punters. No yeah. one has ever really talked to kickers. I realised goalkeepers are like outliers. Yeah. They, they wear a different jersey to the rest of their teammates. They're uh -huh. allowed to use their hands. They're expected to put their face where everybody else just puts their studs. Mm -hmm. And I was interested in how they deal with pressure, mm -hmm. how they deal with failure, yeah. how they deal with the mental game. What does it feel like, David, when you concede a free kick and Ronaldo's standing over the ball? Oy. What do you shout at your players? Not in the face. Yeah, how, do you, how do you line up the wall? What does it feel like to make a howling mistake? What does it yeah. feel like to face a penalty? What does it feel like to face Diego Costa in a one-on-one? -on -one? And most interestingly, once it, do they feel worse when they concede the near post? But it's been at the near post. This is genius, Rog. I asked all of these goalkeepers just to give you a taste of it. I said, you know, what do you feel like when you've conceded? And they all talked about how awful it was, mm -hmm. how they allowed themselves 20 seconds to process what happened, why mm -hmm. it happened, and then they immediately shut it out of their mind so they can focus on the game again. Mm -hmm. And then I said in my little boy voice, I was like, do you feel worse? Pausing for effect. If you were beaten at the near post, and all of them just went ballistic. They, you can see it in the film, but they all said that the near post thing. It was it was a myth created by a commentator who wasn't a goalkeeper. And there was nothing about goalkeepers in the 1980s that it's a terrible mistake for goalkeepers. And everyone says, "Oh, he won't like won't having like been that. beaten at the near when post." When he refused that, he won't He'll be, be happy. Disappointed in himself. They said, and they, we had to bleep it out originally. We don't give a crap about being. We hate being conceding. If you don't cover the near post, I'll screw at the far post. Uh -huh. If you don't cover the far, so goalkeepers do not care about the near post, David. Cool, Rog. I can't wait to see that. Congratulations on that film. Okay. Okay, our guest today, Rog, he's a self-made millionaire. You know, I, I love a self-made millionaire, Rog. He's a banker, though I might be thrown in jail for using that term, Rog, by the British authorities. He's a philanthropist, a BAFTA award-winning television producer, and yes, a minibus salesman. While his story is well-known in England, he's only recently become a cult hero in the United States. His name adorns the stands at one of our favourite English footballing cathedrals. Is it Sir Alex Ferguson? No, we're not. Well, you're close. Turf Moor, Rog, the home of Burnley. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome to the pod Dave Fishwick. A very good afternoon, everybody. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, brilliant, Dave. I mean, Americans are suddenly, you know, they, they, they watch Premier League football. You know, the game is really really growing here in the United States. And they see all the big brands on the hoardings at Stamford Bridge and at the Emirates and at the Etihad. But every week when they tune in and they watch Burnley Football Club, they are fascinated by Dave Fishwick, the minibus salesman. And they've wanted to know in their millions, who is Dave Fishwick? Well, I'm just a lad from Burnley that sells a few buses. You know, it's, uh, it's not that glamorous, really, but... Um, I do a few other things as well, but to be honest, I love football and I love sport and, and I really love being involved. I'm a terrible player. I, I tried to play as a kid, but I was absolutely rubbish at playing, but I really enjoy watching it. And uh, Burnley being in the Premier League was just the ideal opportunity to, uh, to get involved. Can, can, we, can we talk a little about, about Burnley? Because Americans think that every single Premier League team is in London. Burnley... <laughs> 
Up north, my favourite Burnley fact. <laughs> Wait a minute, is Burnley not in London? Well, it's 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 a, it's a suburb. Burnley's about okay. 250 miles from London, it's but decades. Burnley's the centre of the universe. You know, <laughs> I, I make a lot of television programmes, and I'm always going on about Burnley being the best town in the uh, in, in the world. And to be honest, it really is a very very good place to to live with honest, decent, ethical people. Um, and it's just let, let me put it in perspective. The 65,000 people live in Burnley. You can fit 65,000 people in Manchester United Stadium. So that shows you the size of town we really are. But we're in the Premiership. Now, we do lose an awful lot. And every week I go and I watch, or I watch it on the telly, and I'm gunning for them because I love the underdog winning. But the problem is, we lose more games than we win. But I still go every week with that hope and passion and dream of winning. Old, Old Trafford's actually 68,000 capacity. You could fit the whole of Burnley in there and still have 3,000 empty seats to spare. But can it, it's That's a... right. But we'd make more noise than any other team. You know, <laughs> we'd, we'd go with our rattles and our scarves and our shirts on and we'd want to win. You've got to understand the difference of scale of what we're dealing with here. You know, I sponsor uh, Burnley Football Club because I love it and I want them to win. But the, the Chelsea's and the Man United's and the Manchester City's, it's just so difficult to win against teams that have got hundreds of millions, if not billions. And it's just another game on another level. You know, we're not playing the other teams. We're just playing the bottom three. We've <laughs> just got to win more than they do. I mean, when, you know, when, when you talk about those teams, Burnley have actually done very well against Manchester City. You beat them one day. We, we won. Chelsea. Chelsea, Chelsea <laughs> I was jumping them down for a week after. Chelsea you drew against. We're talking, it's not just Burnley against City. It's Samsung, Chevrolet, Emirates. Yeah, I looked We're living the dream. You're, it doesn't get any better than that, does it? Burnley are sponsored by your business, the minibus rental. Oakwood Furniture, James Hargreaves. Yeah. Well, Har- I mean, the minibus Hargreaves. business is, is actually, we sell minibuses. We don't actually rent them. We're the largest supplier of minibuses in the UK. Can you lease a minibus? You can only we buy do, one. We, we do lease vehicles over periods of time, but we actually sell. We build buses and we sell buses. But can, you, can you talk about how hard it is for a tiny club to compete? Your local club is essentially fighting global brands. I mean, you're a businessman. You understand strategy. How, can, well, how it is it possible way. for this? You know, I've got, I own the Bank of Dave, and um, I have a board there that actually says Bank on Dave. So the next time you're watching a football, if you look to the right-hand side of the goals at Burnley... There's this little board that says Bank on Dave that's been hand-painted. And I'm up against this global Barclays brand of blue electronic digital signs whizzing round the grounds at some phenomenal pace, at some huge cost. And there's my little painted sign at the side of the grounds there trying to shine through. And it is difficult. And then somebody takes the coat off and puts it over my sign and I'm there mortified because <laughs> the global, the global uh, uh, visualisation of one of my businesses has just been cut in half by somebody <laughs> taking the big coat off and resting it on it, you know. And there's Barclays still whizzing round this central reservation with this digital screen. It's just not fair. The Bank of Dave. 
talk to us about the Bank of Dave, because this is fascinating stuff. I love the free market. I love how the Bank of Dave came into being. You were, after well, the recession, you were, you were selling minibuses to the same clients, a lot of businesses, and banks, the large banks, the big high street banks, would no longer give them loans to buy the minibuses, and knew, you knew that they were still a good bet, that they were going to repay, and that's why you started the Bank of Dave. Yes. Late in 2008, early 2009, my minibus customers were coming to me for a loan, as they had done for many years in the past to buy a new minibus, and fill the paperwork in, send it off to the local bank. We'd get the money from the bank, and the customer would get the bus. And then overnight, that just stopped. And I thought, well, has the customer done something wrong? Have they not paid the bills? Have they got a CCJ against them? Have they got a county court judgment? Have they, have they told lies? You know, why can they not get the funding? But the problem wasn't the customer. The problem was the high street bank had stopped lending. They just stopped lending overnight. And I thought, well, do you know what? Either I stop selling minibuses or I have to start lending the money to the customers myself. I, have to, I thought to myself, well, the good, decent, honest, ethical people, the business they've got, I understand it. The vehicle they're buying, I understand that. I built it. And if they live where they say they live, these people, and they do what they say they do, of course they do. They drive buses. Why don't I lend them the money? So I started to lend the money to them. They started paying me back. And I thought, I thought to myself, this banking malarkey is <laughs> difficult, you know. So I thought, well, how can I, you know, how can I improve on that? How can I go one step further? So I thought, well, what if I open my own little bank? This is what I want to do. I want to create the best rate of interest anywhere in the country. I want pensioners and hard-working people to get 5% interest on their money, which is better than anywhere oh, else in the 5%? You can't get that anywhere in the US right now on your money. That's right. So pensioners and hard-working people have got some spare money. They give it to the Bank of Dave. We then give them 5%. We then lend that money to local businesses who can't borrow from the high street bank through no fault of their own, just because banks don't lend to people anymore. And then what we do then is something quite remarkable. After we've paid the overheads in the tiny bank, we then give the profit to local charities. So wait a so, minute, you don't make any profit as a banker running your bank? I don't take a penny for what I do. The main differences between English and American corporate cult, well, there's a couple. First of all, I think it's minivan you call them. In, uh, it, That's right, uh, minivans, yeah. You know, so when, when Dave's been saying minibus... America, he's built this empire on minivans. It's secondly, not a tiny little double-decker bus, it's a minivan. Secondly, growing up in Liverpool, we didn't really appreciate entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial ability like Americans do. I mean, this country, America's built on it. England, not so much, especially northern entrepreneurs, not particularly kind of beloved in, in England. Would you agree? I absolutely agree. You know, it, it, it's, it's a tough place here to make things happen. And I think America is the land of opportunity. You know, I've done a lot of filming in America, and I've met a lot of friends, and I, I spend a lot of my time there, and I love the place. What's your favourite part of America, Dave? I love Las Vegas. I love New York. I, I love uh, San Francisco. San Francisco, the um, Burnley of America. Well, it's the same. It's exactly the same. Las Vegas is like being in Burnley. <laughs> it is. It is the, I think the curry's a bit better in, uh, in Burnley, in my experience. I've, 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 <laughs> well, I'm actually... I'm going doing a talk, an international talk in Barcelona next week, and I got asked the question this morning, you know, I've been to Barcelona before, but I said, no, but I think they've got a team nearly as famous as Burnley, because Barcelona's <laughs> got a famous football team, and so, and so we have in Burnley. So the differences are that Burnley slightly got it up on them, 
trust Burnley slightly more famous than Barcelona. Danny Ings for Lionel Messi. You heard it here first. Oh, well, uh, to be honest, I'd, I'd want money to swap. You know, we want a few quid to swap. Messi, uh, just hold on to George Boyd. Do not let Barcelona oh, get the grip on that George is good. Man. Danny's good. Then me, I like him. You oh. know, Michael. They're all friends of mine. And to be honest, when, when I'm having a, a pint, they're in the pub. I went to a book launch a couple of weeks ago, and they're all there, and they come over and have the crack. And Sean Dyche is a very good friend of mine, the manager. We, we, we love that bloke. good people. Ginger, ginger of hair, gravelly of voice. You know him well. Can you can you give us some insight into, into Sean Dyche, the ginger Mourinho? Well, Sean is a really decent, down-to-earth guy. You know, I was having my tea a couple of weeks ago. He come over, he pulled a chair up next to me in the pub, and he sat and had a pint with me, and we chatted about all sorts. And we did something similar right at the beginning of the season. And I asked him, I said to him, Sean, what's going to happen? And he said, we're going to try our best, Dave. We're going to throw everything at it, and we're going to try our best. We're going to try and compete with the biggest teams in the world. And we're going to give it everything we've got. And every day, the Burnley players, they go on that pitch and they want to wear that shirt. And I think the difference between some of the other teams, one or two of the other players from around the world, are a little bit like mercenaries. You know, you pay them an extra 50 quid a week or 100 quid a week, they go and put a different shirt on. Where our guys aren't like that. You know, they want to wear the shirt. They want to play the game. They want to get out there on a Saturday afternoon and, 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 and give it everything they've got. And... I watch these games and I know we lose a lot, but I still have that hope every Saturday that we're going to win. And you must never give up. And in life, all the things I've done, I mean, I was 16 years old. I come from the poorest family you could possibly imagine. I was a builder's labourer at 16. And today I own my own bank. I'm 43. So there's a story there. And you must never give up. And the four rules in life are the most important rules in the world. Are Rule number one, yeah. never lose money. Good. Rule number two, never forget rule number one. Good and point. These are business rules and life rules. Yeah. Rule number three, you must never give up. Yeah. And rule number four, and this is the most important thing, and if you take anything away from what I've talked about today, please take this one home with you and all the listeners there. Rule number four is never, ever give up. Rule, rule number five is... See rule number four. You, I listen to you. You, you, you like, you oh, like Winston Churchill. Like I'm liking it now. You, 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 you like, you like an English George Bailey from It's a Wonderful Life. You really are. It's like yeah. a Northern Churchill. Rog, he's a Northern I, Churchill. I, I was reading your book and you talked about how you were bullied at 12 and 13 years old, and you attribute that as a learning curve that you're almost grateful for as a productive life lesson. It gave you the fight and the unwillingness to say. Are you really That's grateful fine. that you were bullied, Dave? I was, I was bullied terrible as well, and not just once or twice, it was every day I was kicked, punched, and I had to learn to fight back, and when I did learn to fight back, and I did, I learned to fight back by about 15 year old, you know, I was frightened of nothing and no one on the planet, and that really did structure the rest of my life, and the thing about bullies, they don't like it when you hit back. They're like Tottenham, Dave. Nigel, Pe- <laughs> yeah. Nig- Nigel Pearson's still... pretty terrifying. Yeah, Nigel Pearson is. Do you still see some of those bullies around Burnley though, Dave? I don't. And, and, and to be honest, it's, you know, a lot of people moved away. Um, a lot of people say some nice things, you know, when they see me these days. And, 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 you know, a lot of people knew me when I was younger and, and, and struggling. And now they see me today, you know, uh, uh, flying across in my helicopter or my plane. Oh, and, and, I love a chopper. You know, they, I have a chopper, yeah. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I fly it myself, actually, as well. It's, uh, it, you know, I, I, I use it a lot for business. But, you know, I started with absolutely nothing. Well, I didn't have the... Pr- 
price of a chip butter. Oh. And that's what it goes on about in the book. A chip butter. I've got to say, you and I have lived parallel but different lives. I started really well, and then it's all been downhill uh, from there. But let's talk about Burnley. <laughs> let's talk about Burnley for a second. I don't like to bring it up, but you've given a nice segue. It's not where you start, it's where you finish. You're in the bottom three right now. You're playing Spurs this weekend. Still got games against Villa, Hull, Leicester. Big six-pointers to play. How confident, <laughs> how confident are you, Dave Fishwick? Very easy ones. Will, will, will Burnley be a Premier League team next season? I hope so. I really do. And I live and breathe the football and the sport. And um, I love to win. But I've had to get used to going every week and watching, you know, as, as not win on many games. But it's not it, it's not the winning always that counts. It's the taking part. And, and there's one thing for sure. Sean Dash and all the team will get up on a Saturday morning and they will get everything they've got. Dave, we've got a lot of listeners, a lot of viewers in the United States, a lot of Americans getting really into the Premier League. Many have fallen in love with Burnley. They're making trips. They're making pilgrimages over the Atlantic to go and see Burnley at Turf Moor. Can you recommend, when they, when they head over Don't to Burnley, when they head over to Burnley, where should they eat? Where should they have a pint? Where, what should they see in Burnley? For the perfect Burnley experience. Burnley is a, a wonderful full of decent, honest, ethical people, very warm-hearted. You know, the football club is the centre of the universe for the people here. You know, we've, we've, we've not got a great deal. You know, we've, we've, we've got what we've got and... and you know, we've no beach, we've no seaside, but we've got beautiful scenery, we've got lovely countryside, we've got a fantastic football team, we've got big hearts, and, and we, it would be wonderful to see uh, the Americans here. It really would. And I, for one, would welcome them with open arms, you know. Give us a great, name of a, a great name of a pub, great name of a place you can get a good pie. Well, I think oh, there's lots of pubs. I mean, I love the Eagle. Um, I think that's a fantastic place. It's, it's just on the outskirts of Burnley. But to be honest, all the pubs are a lot of fun. You know, the pies and the pints are, are, are the best you could possibly get. And, and really, it's about the atmosphere as well. Last question for me, Dave. This week, big news. Barclays have announced they're relinquishing the rights to Premier League sponsorship. Have you thought about stepping in? The Dave Fishwick Premier League's got a nice ring to it. The DFPL. Well, I thought about the Bank of Dave rather than Bank of Barclays Premiership. What about the Bank of Dave Premiership for proper people? You know, for decent, honest, ethical people. You know, that, that'd be fantastic. When, you, when you're watching Burnley at Turf Moor, you're watching George Boyd run up and down, Daichi oh, is shouting, and you just look up for a second. You, the guy that was bullied in Burnley, 12, 13 years of age, and you look up, at that stand, and you see Dave Fishwick, minibus, minivan, sales. sales. Can you just describe for us the emotion that you feel when you see your name above that stand? It all feels a little bit strange and a bit unreal because I'm just a lad from Burnley. Who, I was born in Burnley General Hospital, you know, and we had nothing. You know, we had absolutely nothing. We, you know, we got very little for birthdays and Christmas. We, 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 we ate because my dad had two jobs, my mum had two jobs. And one of the things that was interesting is when I, when I wanted to open the bank at first and I went to see all these bankers, and you've got to be careful with that word, when I went to see all the bankers, they told me I didn't have the correct parents, I didn't have the correct education, I'd not been to the correct school, I'd not been to the correct university, so I couldn't possibly be a banker. And I said, look, don't you tell me I haven't got the correct parents. My dad had two jobs. He worked in the factory and then he worked on the farm. And my mum had two jobs. 
their work ethic were, were absolutely second to none. Just because they weren't paid bonuses and bankers' wages didn't mean that they weren't proper people. They brought me up right and proper. We didn't have any money, but we were brought up right and proper. And I feel that when I'm in Burnley, I'm surrounded by good, decent, honest people, and I don't think I'd want to live in one of those cities where it's full of bankers. I don't think I'd want to be surrounded by them. You know, amazing, Dave. You know, don't hold this against me. I'm a Chelsea fan. I was at Chelsea earlier this season when Burnley uh, came and got that magical 1-1 draw. Frankly, could have stolen it, it was at the amazing. end. And I, mean, I was, was blown away. So lucky. In I years, was bouncing up and down on the floor watching it on the telly. In years and years and years of going to Chelsea, I've never been more impressed by a group of away supporters than I was by the Burnley fans. And just watching the Chelsea fans, the Burnley fans, drinking, communing after that game and all the banter and just all in good nature. It was just an absolutely impressive bunch That's of people. That's what football's about, isn't it? The football should be about banter. You know, I, I go and watch Accrington Stanley occasionally, which uh, I don't know if you've... you've yeah, lower, a lower division side, right? Yeah, that's right. And I go and they make Burnley look like they, Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they've got absolutely nothing. They have, you know, the ground slopes uphill. So if, you, if you're facing the wrong way, you're running uphill, you know. But it, it's, 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 it's in a division still. It's in the, 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 the British divisions and, and, and they compete. But it is so, so difficult when they've got nothing. I mean, the average wage there is about £300 a week to pay the players. And, but I think football brings people together from all over the world. It's fantastic that the Americans have took a real interest in Premiership football. And it would be fabulous to bring an American team, you know, one, I mean, maybe a team based after your programme. Yeah. Bring them across to, to, to Burnley and I'll organise for you to, uh, to play against the Burnley team. Oh, the Men in Blazers national team. We have formed a Men in Blazers national team, a team formed of plumbers and contractors. Who's going to be Sean Dyche on your side, though? Who's going to... Oh, Sean Dyche. We'll find someone with ginger hair. We'll find someone with a gravelly voice. We we have a coach. Warren Barton is our coach. Warren Barton, who used to play for Newcastle, played for England. Coach Barton is our coach of our team. That's him. He's got the job. Yeah, we'll we'll bring him over to coach our team. We'll We'll live in the dream already. I can see it. American... Against Burnley. We will, be brilliant. We will do this. We will sort it out with you. It's been our dream to play another team. We never aspired that we'd play a team. We, we did not hear back from Gibraltar or, or San Marino, San Marino or, or Liechtenstein. Yep. This is going to happen. We cannot wait to be with you. And when you're in America on one of your many trips, come into New York. Come to the crap part of Soho. Yeah, come downtown. We'd love to host you, Dave. It'd be brilliant. I'd love, I'd, I'd love to come and, and do something live with you guys. It'd be fantastic. Oh, we'd be brilliant. Come in and maybe we'll go for a pint, a pint after. Yeah, oh, we'd love that. that. We'd love that. Well, any time. We love being with you. Good luck for the rest of the season. Godspeed, Dave Fishwick. Yeah, good luck to the minibus business. I'm looking business. forward to it. And good luck to the Bank of Dave. Thanks, Dave. Good luck to all everybody in America. God bless you all. I love that interview, Rog. <sighs> I love man, it. Dave. Great man. He's like Northern Barry Hearn. Yeah, northern, sort of northern Barry Hearn. We need to get him over here. To Might do not have killed show. anybody, but yeah. he's a, it's, so not that Barry Hearn has ever killed anybody. Yeah, I'm just saying that Dave Fishwick has probably not killed anyone. Yeah. We want him to come over, do a live show, but they're taking the Men in Blazers national team over to Turf Moor, yeah. to Middle Earth, Dave. Yeah. We're getting the team back together again. Can't wait for that, Rog. Uh, one saving grace during the international break in MLS, Vancouver Whitecaps, Rog, continuing their hot start with a 2-1 win over Portland. Vancouver now in second place in the Western Conference, just a point behind still unbeaten FC Dallas. And in other NMLS news, the league announced its 23rd club, Rog. I'm losing count. They're going to play in Minneapolis, a great soccer town, Rog. Minnesota United <sighs> FC oh, are it? scheduled to participate in 2018. There's a great article in the Minnesota Star Tribune headlined, yeah. 
The MLS will be a nice fit in Minneapolis. An MLS, it should say. Possibly the most lukewarm headline of all time. Yeah. Uh, the, The article concluded by saying, at worst... United FC will be the sports version of the theatre. Yeah. Not everyone attends, but most appreciate that it's there. They really sound oh, very excited. They sound really bullish about it. It's actually our first raven, David. Yeah, it leads to our first raven. At Mr. Lizard 603 writes, Does it irritate you guys too when MLS teams use United or FC in their names? How do we make them stop? Hashtag <sighs> suboptimal. I love this. I mean, Minnesota's got such a rich cultural heritage. I'm surprised yeah. they couldn't come up with something regionally symbolic. It was the Kicks was their team, right? Mullets, the Zubas, yeah. the Post-it Notes, yeah. the Betty Crockers, the Princes, the Butter Sculptures, the Kirby Puckett. Yeah. But there's all these, there are all these American, DC United, Real Salt Lake. I mean, yeah. no, people don't understand the deep-seated connection to the Spanish royal family. King Philippe VI is very popular in Utah. Sporting Kansas... I don't know why you'd add sporting to your brand when you, without it, you could actually just call yourself one of the greatest AOR acts of all time. Dust in the wind, baby. Yeah. Do you hate the American appropriation of European or world football names, David? It doesn't really bother me, Rog. Really? It doesn't really bother me. I just want the football to be good. It bothers me. And it's all football. So I'm fine with it saying football club. Bothers me. Yeah. Terribly. Mm -hmm. Do you know why? Why? I just think they use the wrong ones. <laughs> With name an American team who is man enough to call themselves young boys. Yeah. None, not one. Deportivo Wanker. Yeah. In Peru. Mm-hmm. If an American team called themselves that, like Miami Wanker, David yeah. Beckham, I know you listen to this. Yeah. I'd instantly pledge allegiance to your team. Yeah, Aston Toledo. Yeah, based on the indigenous Andean people. Yeah. Imagine the choreographed hand gestures the fans could do if you name your team Wanker. Yeah. The merch you could market. It's a goldmine for the brave owner. Yeah, but Dynamo my, Wichita. Yeah, my favourite team name of all time, and I hope MLS jump all over this one. Yeah. Botswana Meat Commission. Yeah. In Botswana. Be great. Works great. in Botswana. It'll work yeah, here. it'll work here. Okay, Rog, the winner of the coveted Guinness Men in Blazers poet, philosopher, soccer scribe, Raven of the Week, is Aaron Brink, Rog. And he writes, here is my question. I think that it is clear that the millennial generation is beginning to wholeheartedly embrace soccer but what happens to the older generations how do soccer ambassadors like yourself try and convince the elders on the merits of the sport when i lived in london i took my dad to a game at stamford bridge where drogba scored a last minute winner and he fell asleep in the middle of the game granted they were playing wigan and he was jet lagged (laughs) he loves sports and appreciates the game for its skill is there an EA Sports FIFA equivalent for converting the mass of older generations or do we chalk it up <laughs> to a lost course and resign the popularity of the game to millennials and younger? <sighs> what a question. Yeah. What a question. I mean, a lot of the older people are still very into stickball from yeah. the street to Brooklyn. Yeah. From back in, hard to wean them off that, David. Yeah. And you know what? They're not wrong. In their generation... Soccer was crap. The reality is, is that the soccer that they were fed and told to love was mainly crap. I think we can just let them go. Let them be. Let them have their attitudes, Rob. Let them drift off. Yeah. Um, I, I'd say when I started to do Morning Joe at the beginning, 7.50 on Mondays, mm-hmm. like, a lot of the other guests around the table who were somewhat older would look aghast as I'd mm-hmm. come on set and start talking about football. I remember Donny Deutsch was stopped me mid-sentence and was like, what the hell are we talking about this for? This is America. Because it was Donny Deutsch. I was quite comfortable being like, I said to him, Donny Deutsch, do you have grandchildren? Mm-hmm. And he said, yes, I do. What the hell has that got to do with it? And I was like, Donny Deutsch, 
This is a young man's sport. You're too old. This is not speaking to you. I'm speaking. It's like you can't hear a dog whistle. You can't hear the allure of football. And then a week later, I went on, and Tom Brokart mm-hmm. let me get five words out, and they showed some of the Chelsea game. Tom Brokart stopped me speaking, and he goes, to, to Morning Joe, Joe Scarby goes, why are we talking about this? This is an American show. This is a discussion. And because it was Tom Brokaw, he's like the queen, isn't he? Tom mm-hmm. Brokaw. I didn't want to cut him off, so I just let him go. It was the most awkward three minutes of television as Tom Brokaw essentially just kind of called me a communist on national television. Uh-huh. And I just left set and I said to the producer, I said, I'm never going to go on air with Tom Brokaw again ever. It was embarrassing. I felt terrible. And then a year and a half later, I, was on, I went on again. Tom Brokaw was sat there, and I said, I can't go on with Tom Brokaw. He's going to mock me again. He's going to humiliate me. He's going to embarrass me in front of like, all these people. And they were just like, go on, he's changed. And so I did that. I did it. It's a big game. It was Aston Villa against Leicester, I started. And Tom Brokaw cut me off again after 10 seconds. And he goes, and I was like, inside, I was like, oh, God, this is awful. And he just goes, you know, I used to hate soccer, but now I think his son-in-law's. Uh, go every year to a couple of Premier League games. And he goes, I went with them. We traveled coach too, he said. That was my favorite part of the line. He says, now every year we go and watch Premier League football at Christmas. I love it. So I figure, to answer your question, Aaron, if Tom Brokaw can change, there's hope for us all and you've just got to let it happen. Very, very true. I love that story, Rog. And I love Tom Brokaw. Your weekend looks like this. The Premier League is back, Rog. And it is back in a big way. (sighs) Arsenal versus Liverpool, Saturday at 7.45am on NBC Sports Network. Arsenal versus Liverpool. Manchester United versus Aston Villa. That's Saturday, 10am on NBCSN. Sunderland versus Newcastle. Rog, the tiny weird derby. Dick out for cat, he's well up for it. Sunday, 11am on NBCSN. And in an MLS, San Jose uh, play Real Salt Lake. 5 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. There are many ways to connect to us. One is through our Amazon Emporium, which helps keep the show going. Anytime you go on Amazon for items big or small, just click off the Emporium page. And Men in Blazers, Rog, gets a tiny percentage that allows us to cover the cost of creating the show. What are you putting in the Emporium? A book. Oh, a bookie book. Jeff Scorrup sent me a book, which I didn't choose, but I should give it the upside of your dark side. Yeah. A book by two psychologists. He said it would be a good book for me to put in. Yeah. It's a book about how happiness is creating an America of smiling fascism. Yeah. To march in lockstep with the beat of an ever-up-tempo drum makes us feel more miserable and depressed. I should read that book, David. Mm-hmm. It seems to be a creed written against your kind. Yeah. But instead, I'm going to pick H's for Hawk yeah. by Helen MacDonald, which I believe you picked a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, well, I've put it more than... I've put it in, I think, a few months ago, Rog, but I haven't read it. Okay. And so now we're putting it in again because you've actually read it. I read it. Yeah. I couldn't put it down. The, the author's father drops dead in her grief. She minds her childhood memories and decides, as you do, David, when yeah. you're bereaved, to become a falconer. Yeah. And rearing one of the most murderous birds of prey, the ferocious goshawk. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful tale about life, death, nature. Uh, and for me, a portrayal of a fading, beautiful, haunting England that I found very fascinating. Uh-huh. First 60 pages are uphill work, I'd say, or I found them to be. But the rest of the book, it's just beyond rewarding. Brilliant. I'm actually going to get a goshawk of my own now. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm putting in, Rog, the Tech Tools Desktop Madness series hand pen holder with magnetic back. It's made by Tech Tools, Rog. It's a bargain at only $19.01. Uh, Assistant Kalen has uh, tidied up my desk. I don't know if you've noticed back yep. there, Rog. You've got a beautiful and, hand thing. And there's hand a hand holder. there that holds my pens and my scissors. It's like in a wanker sign. And my rulers. It is. It's like a left-handed wanker sign. But it's just, it's just an excellent, excellent addition to anybody's uh, desk. So uh, the Tech Tools Desktop Magnus series. Hand pen holder with magnetic back, Rog. 
before, $19.01. Before we get into the goodbyes, yeah. can I just say, you know mm-hmm. your phrase, who wants to sex Matumbo? Yeah. Alonzo Mourning, thank you. Yeah. He went on Highly Questionable mm-hmm. and confirmed that it actually is a true story. Mm-hmm. That Matumbo did used yeah. to go into bars and shout I out. I never doubted it. Who wants to sex well, Matumbo? Matumbo went on last year and said it never happened. It's a myth. Yeah. Morning went on and said, no, no, no. Not only did he used to do it, but it yeah. works. <laughs> Which has got me thinking, what yeah. kind of a mindset would you have to have to respond to me yeah. to that question? Yeah. Who wants to sex Matumbo? Me, please. Yeah, Dikembe Matumbo is like a good-looking man. He's a star athlete at Georgetown, Rog, and in the NBA. Yeah, but the, it, who wants to sex Matumbo? Yeah. Who wants to make sweet love with Matumbo? I put my hand up. Yeah. But sex Matumbo. Some the people aren't interested framed. in sweet love with the Kembe Matumbo, but they're interested <sighs> in sex. Well, anyway, now we know it's true, I guess. Do you really need can, me to teach you about the world, Rog? <laughs> we can say with surety. Yeah. Alien spacecraft did land at Roswell, Dave. It's yeah. all true. It's all true. Let's just check with Alonzo Morning. Uh, other ways to connect to us, meninblazers.wikispaces.com. That's a wonder of the modern world. Uh, go to our website, meninblazers.com. Go, on. go, go. Uh, Not only can you look at the pictures of Steve Bruce, you can also sign up for our newsletter, The Raven, which we produce with our partner, Guinness. You can follow us on Twitter, at Embassy Davies, at Men in Blazers, at Rog Bennett. Follow us <laughs> on Instagram, at Men in Blazers, and at Embassy underscore Davies. Uh, go to our Facebook, Rog. We've got a subreddit, meninblazers.reddit.com, maintained by GFOBs Akshay, Calvin, and Alex. We've got a Spotify account, Rog. Search men underscore in underscore blazers. Our second Men in Blazers mixtape is now up. It's beautiful. It's the Champions League edition. We started doing Periscopes, Rog. Yeah, we got I don't know how you go at to men Periscopes. In blazers, at Men in Blazers on yeah. Periscope. And we do things on Periscope, and there's, we have no idea what it is. There's 1,172 Whoa. days to the World Cup kicking off. We're going to yeah. do a lot of Periscoping before that. We are? Yeah, this many times we're okay. gonna we're gonna show Lexi, producer Lexi's feet at the end of our periscope as we did today. Yeah, is it on? Is, is it on? <laughs> Are we done? Are we done? Yeah, good. You can always send your ravens to the crap part of Soho. You can always email <laughs> us at meninblazers at gmail dot com. We're gonna be off for a week next week. Bad <gasps> news. Yeah, I have to go away. Yeah, gonna go and make peace in Israel. You on are a special peace mission. Good. For the next I thought 10 you days. were undercover, Rog. I, well, I can't believe you're revealing just, uh, this be to wearing, the American people. I'll be wearing disguise like that guy in the Americans. Okay. The awkward disguises. Okay. That actually. Like the, have you watched the Americans? I love the Americans. They One wear, of my favourite shows. They, 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 if you've not watched it, the characters consistently are in disguise. Yeah. But they wear, such, they wear purposely awkward disguises so that you, the viewer at home, know it's them. They never yeah. look normal. They always look a bit like Louis van Gaal. Like, uh-huh. look at me. <laughs> <laughs> we're in disguise. That's my disguise. I'm oh not wearing Israel. So I'm going to... But the good news is, while we're away... We're going to release, finally, mm-hmm. what will it be, April 2nd, April 3rd, April f- perfect time yeah. for us to do our Men in Blazers 2014 album, which oh, wow. we're going to release. Now we're launching it on Periscope. I don't know what we're going to re- <laughs> We'll launch it on Snapchat. We'll launch yeah. it on iTunes. Meerkat. I think we'll do you do remember it. Meerkat? We used to be on Meerkat. Yeah, those, anymore. Are those are the days. The Friendster of... Uh, of, uh, of Whatever that's whatever called. Whatever the hell Periscoping. Called. Um, so we're going to release it. I think it'll be on iTunes. Yeah. Producer JW has uh-huh. been working very hard. It's uh-huh. our reviewing. Is it on Etch-a-Sketch? Do you remember 2014? Yeah, vaguely. Yeah, it's going to... Now that's what I call Suboptimal Volume 2. Okay, can't Coming out for next that. week. Okay, Rog. Vendorpunkt. War pig! Who wants to sex Matumbo? It's true. Explosion! Courage. Size the day. Is that your analysis? To tweed. Abrogado, rock on, mate. Kung Fu fight in America. Love you, Rog. Bon voyage. Happy Passover, Dave. Easter. Jay-Z is awesome. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or... 
You can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Okay, so if you had a time machine, how far in time would you need to go back to be a dominant basketball player of that era? <laughs> I need to go to when Bob Cousy was playing. Back I in, would, in the plumber days? 27-year-old Shea would give Bob Cousy the f***ing business. <laughs> He's not guarding me. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the best. Each week, Shay and I are combing through all of the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling ones, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Six Trophies ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.